Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! This is Top Flight Time Machine, I am Andy Hotbody Dawson, I'm Sam Nifty Delaney, so what? Uh, is the Turpin Odyssey, we're looking back at the uh, 1979, the first series of Dick Turpin, which was on ITV on Saturday Tea Times, and the, so far we've discovered that it is absolutely held up in uh, in terms of the love that we had for it back then when we were kids, it still is an absolute rollicking romp of a watch. Um, and this episode is no exception. This is episode three that we're going to look at. We tried to do it last week, but there has been a bit of a fuck-up um, and we got distracted. Uh, this is episode three. It's called The Champion. Um, and just the synopsis on IMDB, Sam, just says, Turpin intends to find some rest in the little village of Mudbury, but Swift Nick starts bragging about Dick's skills as a prize fighter, and unsuspecting Dick soon finds himself facing the bully Hog, the accomplice of Bible-thumping tax collector Father Nightingale. Dick decides to call a favour from an old friend, Tom, the Bristol Butcher Bracewell, but he disappears shortly before the fight. And I found another website which has got a longer look at this on a, on a blog, and it's called antimurial.com. It's Antimurial's blog, and she's written about some of the early episodes of Dick Turpin, and uh, we'll have a look at what she says about it as we as we work our way through it. So they're writing towards Antimurial, yeah. Antimurial, yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's a real ant- Antimurial ant- or Antimurial. Yeah. Blog. Okay, Anti- I'm looking this up because this person sounds like someone we should like get to know. You think? Well, I, I just sort of think that. Listen, I've been banging on about Dick Turpin for years, haven't I? To you, mm-hmm. and you, you remembered it fondly. But I, what I'm delighted by is now that you've rewatched it for some long time. Because I've rewatched it in adulthood before. You've realised actually, yeah. This is legitimately right up there with the best of the very best TV it really, shows. It really is, yeah, yeah. Um, we, and all I'm thinking as we go through this, and now that it's been sort of validated in a way by you, I'm thinking, why the fuck isn't Dick Turpin more famous? So if Auntie Muriel's already been on this, I yeah. think well, there's just a select few of us in society who fucking understand how good this TV yeah. was. Like, long before... HBO, Netflix, Apple, or any of these other things started like elevating the genre of television drama. Yeah. Dick Turpin had fucking nailed it. Well, I don't understand why it's not on BritBox. This seems like it's absolute prime for BritBox. Yeah, you know everybody would watch it surely if it was on there, or it's on. It's not on any of the streaming services. Um, you've got to watch them on YouTube or, or fork out for the DVD. Eighteen quid from Network who were the company that put the DVD out, 18 quid for the entire um, collection of all the episodes on DVD. I know a lot of people don't have DVD players anymore, but you're missing out. So, yeah, um, some of you watching your laptop. I watched it on PlayStation the other day um, yeah. on my DVD. I, I, what I love about this particular episode is um, 
that, that Richard O'Sullivan, it's all, it's all great, it's not just about Richard O'Sullivan, but Richard O'Sullivan, we've talked before, right, about how this programme combines, you know, classic sort of Western mm. in as much as if you look at, like, serials from Westerns, it's and, and they nick it now on the Disney shows like Boba Fett and The Mandalorian. It's like every week the hero arrives in some sort of position very often... Um, he encounters some humble people who are in distress and are being bullied or exploited. Yeah. And he's and the hero steps up to assist them. This is classic from Westerns, isn't it? Like, there'll yeah. be a Clint Eastwood character and he goes and there's some Mexican villagers who need help from some sort of mm-hmm. posse of rascals. And this is, this is very like that, this episode. But Dick doesn't... I mean, we'll get to this, but Dick... The, the way Richard O'Sullivan plays Dick... It could have been so easy to apply, and nowadays they'd have someone who played him like a Clint Eastwood. It would be everything's dark now as well. It'd be very dark, mean, yeah. and moody, and he would be a very archetypal hard man. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Who believed in like honor, justice, yeah. respect, but was a few words. Whereas Dick Turpin is just like he's got this thing where he's not particularly even tough. What he is is he's game. Mm-hmm. Right, which means he's always up for a row if necessary, but he doesn't really think that he's tough. And in this one, you see him taking a right fucking beating, sort of thing, which yeah. makes you it makes him more of a hero. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, like when there's he's someone scared. who's just like an amazing fighter, any fight he wins, it's really predictable, quite boring. And you think, oh, you fucking cunt, Iron Man with rocket. Of course, you can win when you can shoot a fucking rocket out of your hand, you cunt. <laughs> Right, whereas Dick Rich O'Sullivan's not much to look at. He's like a slip of a man. Yeah. Right, he's pretty handy with a sword, but as we see in this episode, he's like he's extremely brave, but not that competent at hand-to-hand right. combat. Yeah. And also, when people give him shit, he's not all mean. He's not all kind of like mean and moody one-liners back. He's a bit like, oh, so this then, you cunt. Why don't you fucking wind your neck in? <laughs> Which I absolutely yeah. love about him. Yeah. He's basically a bit of a fucking Jack the Lad with his yeah. eye on the main chance, Dick That's Turpin, isn't is. he? Yeah. I mean, we don't see much of him doing the actual highway robbery that he's made famous for. Nah, it's more about they play the that down, don't they? It's more about the yeah. capers that he gets up to in his downtime when he's not That's doing That's just what, robbery. like, Dick Turpin would probably be, a lot of people just associate me with Robin but there's mm. more to me than that that's just what I do in order for, to earn me walking around money yeah like that. that's just what I've been forced into because you know Sir John Glutton nicked my farm and starved my parents to death so I don't have a job and if you were gonna get a moody kind of uh, main character that would be the backstory but no yeah. I'm quite nah. adolescent in spite of everything yeah I you know I just sort of think life's there for living nowadays I live in the woods which suits me fine to be honest, I usually eat at inns, but yeah. uh, often Spiker has his sauces grassing on me, so sometimes I'll just eat on the go. I'll get a sandwich or <laughs> something. A sandwich from a yeah. service station or something like that. I've got, I've got a kid who hangs around me now, so sometimes I'll send him out for like to get something, <laughs> like a pasty, that we can just eat whilst we're riding. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's, the episode starts with some, we see Dick and Swiftnick coming across uh, some deserters giving somebody a right shoeing in the middle of the road and it turns out that it's Tom the Bristol Butcher Bracewell um, <laughs> but we don't actually know that at first and it's, he's played by Don Henderson who's been mm. in many many things over the years uh, no longer with us um, 
he was in a series, the detective series called Bullman in the nineteen eighties, mm. which was quite grown up. I didn't really watch it; it didn't really resonate with it to make a lot of sense. It was too adult for me at the time. But uh, he's a he's a gruff, gritty kind of fella, Don Henderson, and he's perfect for this character. Um, so they have a bit of a conversation with him, and um, he, he rides off, thanks them for intervening. The deserters. The deserters are like the uh, what they call the Jawas in Star Wars. They come out of nowhere and just start robbing people and then fucking disappear off into nowhere again. Yeah, because that's the historical context of this. There's a war going on. What war? I don't know, Andy. Uh, I'm guessing against the Spanish, but who knows? Something like that, or the Civil War or something. I don't know. I'm not a historian. Yeah. I'm not Dan Snow. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> fucking hell. But, um, yeah... Um, so there's these deserters who I guess are just robbing people to survive. Well, they, they're genuinely, definitely living in the woods because they'll get proper fucked up yeah. if they get caught. But, and they, they've overpowered this bloke, Bullman, yeah. even though he uh, he's obviously fucking nails hard. He's the there's butcher. so many yeah. of them. So so yeah. So uh, Dick and Swiftnick come and help him out, and then he sort of like infers to him that he owes him a life debt, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and he he buggers off, which is a nice way of setting the story up. And then yeah. there's a a, a very uh, a great stroke of luck. Uh, he's dropped a flyer on the ground in in the scuffle, which um, Swiftnick picks up, and it describes a smart trial of manhood. Which Whoa! A smart Make a trial note of that. Of That's something we could arrange sometime. A smart trial of manhood. Yeah. I like the idea of getting some of the cut. We we arrange something where the cunters get, like fight each other, fight each other in pub car parks. Yeah, yeah, and we're the judges. Bare knuckle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, our our podcast. Yeah, mum. Yeah, no, the podcast is going really well. No, we've diversified. Yeah, no, we're arranging um, we're arranging car park fights we're, now. We're going on the road again. What live shows? Kind of. Kind of. No, and, and oh, I see, Sam. And people pay. I mean, I tell you what. I've, I mentioned on one of the other episodes this week that I've spent some time with my Hungarian grandfather, uh, father-in-law, who is a legendary bloke, right? And as I've said before, you know, fought the Red Army on the streets of Budapest. Then was subsequently yeah. had to be a refugee, escaped, crawled over the border into Austria, escaped, built a life over here. Um, recently, won the Golden Feather Award in mm. Hungary, which is the Journalistic Lifetime Achievement Award, right? Marvelous. Wonderful story. Really incredible man. You know, also, like, Jewish, and he had to, like, flee the Nazis when he was very little, before yeah. the fucking... Before he was even fighting the communists. So he's been there, done it all. Great career as a very distinguished journalist, both here in the UK and in Hungary. And when I'm giving a lift only the other night, he goes, so, um... Anyway, uh, what, are you, what are you up to at the moment? You not you don't you don't do the radio so much anymore. Oh, nah, not really. No, <laughs> and uh, and the and the journalism. I don't I don't see you in the Guardian as much as I used to. Nah, I don't yeah. really do that. Nah. So yeah. what? So what do you do? Well, I do this podcast, <laughs> right? And that that earns you money, does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It pays the bills. Yeah. <laughs> and you and you and another man. Yeah, me and another man. He's in Sunderland, right? And and what do you? We talk to each other, and then we put it on the internet. Right. I mean, he's very kind about it and encouraging, but when you say it out loud uh, to a man who's just won the golden feather, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> and has been involved in, you know, some of the great moments in history. Not great yeah. moments, but most significant <clears throat> and dramatic moments mm. in history. Yeah, you kind of think, oh, yeah, well, yeah, we, we go on the ride. But no, we've monetized it, see? We're thinking of going into um, pub car park fighting next. And how would you get paid for that? Well, we're not sure yet. We're thinking some sort of system where they pay us to put them on the bill. <laughs> well, that doesn't make any sense. No, 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 no does, it does doesn't. It? You're right. We think but it'll work. <laughs> we, uh, we'll come up with something. <laughs> It's sort of people from different parts of the country. We're going to try and play up like regional hostilities. Well, what we'll do is we'll describe them as a smart trial of manhood. And we think uh, that'll get them hooked. That he'd like. He'd go, oh, yeah, that does sound good, yeah. actually. We'll come along to that, yeah. <laughs> sort of thing that goes on in Hungary, to be honest, all the time. <laughs> smart oh, trials God. of manhood. I found myself in a pub last week. I, you know, I did that um, Brass Eye Outtakes film thing. Oh, yeah. I did the Q&A for that. I met up with a couple of pals in the pub beforehand because there was a few of them going to this other event at the, the Tyne Theatre. And there were people there from um, various um, fundraising kind of groups for um, TV and cinema and that in the, in the region. Yeah. And I found myself being uh, introduced to one or two of them and one said, uh, and, what, and what do you do then? And I just found myself shrinking as I said, I'm a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sometimes God. you just got to say it. You got, Sometimes you got to say it. You've bald about it, haven't you? You can't be ashamed. I was That's at a party at. last year or the year before, and I was talking to some bloke. He was a right wide boy. He was one of those blokes that, like, he was a right white boy, a bit of a cockney, but I could tell he was rich because he had a, he was about, he looked like he was in his 60s and he had a, his his wife was adorned in finery, right? Oh, Jewelry and furs and finery. such like. Yeah. And he, he um, had a, a, the rich, the rich tan of a wealthy man, right? <laughs> a man who was just happy watch? with his lot. Yeah, it was all that big gold watch, loads of tan. And he's talking to me and he's like, nah, nah, how are you, Dave? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm chatting to him and he goes, okay, what do you do then, mate? Jalapeño. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Jalapeño. And I think I did say something like, you've obviously got a few quid. I like to confront people about their wealth, but in a positive way, not a damning yeah. way. I'm not one of these people who dislikes wealth per se i'm all for it i was like oh you've obviously got a few quid mate how do you make your money he went me <laughs> i am the worst person in the world and i went what and he went honestly 
He went, if, if I told you what I did for a living, he went, there's nothing worse. You'd be disgusted. It's the worst. It's the most, it's, I, I do the devil's work. And I said, fucking hell. My mind boggled. I mean, I've met some very bad people in my yeah. life, especially, you know, through my journal, journalistic endeavours. Yeah. And I went, well, I can imagine quite bad things. He goes, you can't imagine something this bad. And I went, are you an arms dealer of some sort? He went, no, it's worse than that. And then I, I said, oh, you don't like, you know, you're not one of these people who like steals people's organs, you know, drugs them and nicks their kidneys and all that. He goes, oh, you get, again, you're getting closer, but oh, still not quite there, right? And I was like, fucking hell, who's this cunt? And he said, all right, I'll tell you. He went, I do parking at NHS hospitals. Oh! I went, what? He goes, I run the private car parks at NHS hospitals. Oh, fucking hell. I went, oh. He went, I told you you'd be he shocked. He wasn't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Yeah. He said, oh. what am I going to do? They contract it out. That's not my decision. Not I my think fault. it should probably be in, the, it should be in the hands of the state, but they don't want any part of it. They contract it out. We've only got a limited amount of space. We have to charge for it to be, to, for it to be viable. Oh. Well, mate, no judgments here. Yeah. Especially as you have observed yourself that you do the worst job in the world. It is awful. You acknowledge that, and I respect you for acknowledging it up front. Fucking hell. And besides that, he was actually quite an affable bloke, to be yeah. honest. So Yeah, just doing what he does. You gotta take people as you find them, haven't you? I guess so, yeah. Boy, he wasn't wrong though, was he? Fuck. It's um, pretty bad, yeah. So we've got a smart trial of manhood on the flyer between the two following champions, Nornek Duggan, <laughs> the pride of Gloucester, and the Bristol butcher, Tom Bracewell, who we've just seen. And um, that's when Dick realises that was Tom Bracewell they've been talking to. And um, uh, he says, Bracewell will be no match for Bro- Broughton. Swiftnick says, Broughton? And uh, Dick then says, Jack Broughton, the champion of England. Dick's Dick turns into a five-year-old at this point who yeah, is showing yeah, off that, his knowledge. Another thing I like about him, yeah. there is a childish twinkle in his eye that you don't yeah. get with most sort of alpha heroes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because he's alpha, but he's also just like, he's excitable. Yeah, he's, it's like, he's like the playground bullshitter almost because then he says, I've sparred yeah. with him dozens of times, put him down once. <laughs> and Swift <laughs> looks like wide-eyed and like, oh, what? Wow. Yeah. Swiftick fucking loves Dick, doesn't he? Yeah. They've got a great relationship. Oh, yeah, yeah. So then they decide they're going to go to Mudbury. Dick says, we're going to Mudbury till things quieten down. Anyway, I need a bath. And then we go to the bath scene where they're in the stables and Dick's singing in the bath, which <laughs> is, is is fucking brilliant. Oh. Oldie time baths seem like so much fun, don't they, Andy? They like, do. You, you see them in things like this, but you also see them in Robin Hood and in cowboy films, yeah. where it's always some man, and he's he's really dirty because yeah. he's been living usually in the forest. It's not a leisure and, bath, is it? It's a necessity bath. Yeah, and, and yeah. You, but you only get to have one like maybe once a month or something. Yeah. You've got mm. a few quid in your pocket, so you pay an in to let you have a bath. That's the thing. And they always just seem to be having, it seems so cathartic and fun. Yeah, they're, they're just in a big it. warm tub yeah, and they're clean. scrubbing themselves with some sort yeah. of loofah. And you think, yeah. yeah, they fucking know how to... Men knew how to bath in those days, didn't that they? That was it, yeah. Bath it, bathing out loud. Bathing out loud. Now, people bath in a timid way. Even I do. I mean, I don't have many baths, but when I do, I tend to be timid in my approach. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
I don't do many paths either. I'll, I'll do one if I feel I've got a spare hour where I want to relax. Mm-hmm. Maybe if there's a snooker or darts final on and I can watch oh, it on yeah, the iPad, that's nice. I'll, I'll do a bath. I'll do a sporting final bath. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, there's the you don't do this, obviously. There's the bath that's augmented with cans. I've, I've oh, that's before. dangerous, mate. I didn't even do that when I drank. That's 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 dangerous. No, just a couple. You could, you, you could slip under. Nah, 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 nah. Just a couple. You don't go in pissed. You maybe come out a bit pissed. <laughs> pissed bar, pissed bar, pissed bar. I'm gonna have a lovely pissed bar. <laughs> nah, you don't do that. You don't do that. I've I've said before. I think I've said before on this podcast the greatest bath I ever had was when mm. uh, it was the early days of Curb Your Enthusiasm when I used to, I used to download the episodes from the dark web mm. before they appeared um, on British screens. Yeah. So I'd get them like the day after they were on in America and I had a bath with a new episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm on the mm. on the iPad and two cans of Stella in the 35 mm. minutes of the episode. And I was fucking shit-faced when I got out of that bath. <laughs> yeah, because you get more drunk because of the heat. drunk because of the steam. Mm. Yeah, and the heat. Yeah, um, but it was well, similar. Similarly, you know, if you're dehydrated at all, like one time, I went. I went, my my mate, my my brother and my mate, who are both Spurs fans, were going to the League Cup final in Cardiff between Tottenham and Blackburn, which I think was 2002. And my girlfriend was away, so I had nothing to do that weekend. And so I said, fuck it, I'll go with you. I won't go to the game, obviously. But they were both going away and staying in a nice hotel. Mm. And I had a few quid. And I thought, fuck it, I'll just come for the laugh. And they mm. can, when they're off at the game, I'll just, I don't know, hang about in the fucking yeah. spa or something. Have a wank, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and uh, and uh, it, what was, we, when we got there... We went straight for a swim. We really lived out loud, like swim, 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 swim. Right, sorta, 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 sorta. Right, steam room, steam room, steam room. Lovely, right? <laughs> and then we came out and went had a shower and went straight to the bar and just started boshing pints of Stella, right? Mm. But the thing was, we hadn't rehydrated, so we'd been in a fucking sauna and then a steam room. So you're really yeah. dehydrated and you're a bit lightheaded, yeah. and then. You replenish your body with really strong continental lager, yeah. right? And we were shit faced. Similar, I guess, yeah, similar yeah. Uh, uh, like sort of physical reaction to you in your bath. Yeah. And uh, that was the time when my brother's all time fucking hero is Glenn Hoddle. Like he worships fucking Glenn Hoddle, right? Right. And it, at that stage, you'd never met him before. I think he's met him since then, thank God, because he might have had some redemption. But Glenn Hoddle was the manager, and he was there with John Gorman. And they were staying in the same hotel as us with the squad, right? <laughs> Which we hadn't known until we got there. And my brother's like starry-eyed, but too shy yeah. to go over. He has three pints of Stella, and at 8pm, he's fucking asleep in the bar on the sofa, snoring, slumped over, looking like an old man about to die. He looked like fucking <laughs> Captain Tom. Shriveled right? up because he was so dehydrated. He <laughs> was all shriveled up and dehydrated, right? And it was 8 o'clock, and he was, so, and he was like... <laughs> Proper fucking grunting, snoring. And Glenn Hoddle and John Gorman walk past, resplendent in their neat Tottenham tracksuits, mm. getting an early night, going back to their rooms after a couple of lemonades to talk tactics for the next yeah. day. And they just looked at fucking my brother. They walked past. I sort of nodded to say, all right, lads? All right, Glenn Hoddle? <laughs> right. They looked at me, then they looked at my brother, slumped there, and 
Glenn Hoddle actually shook his head in pity <laughs> and disgust. And when my brother came round much later, I fucking delighted in telling him. <laughs> Glenn Hoddle came over earlier. I said hello and he said hello back. But then he looked at you with pity and disgust. That night. <laughs> anyway, that night. Maybe think twice about a sauna and Stella's next time. You've just cunted yourself off in front of your all-time hero. All the best. God bless. There should be Sweet a, dreams. Um, there should be a public information film. Don't bathe drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is. I think Don't they do say that. Bathe. In the summer months, they have so many people dying on the British coastline, don't they? Because yeah, loads they of people, do. Yeah. I mean, when I'm in the Isle of Wight, I see a lot of the younger lads, and yeah. they all just turn up with like massive fucking crates of beer, yeah. right in cool boxes or whatever, and they just fucking piss it up on the beach all day, and then they go mental yeah. in the sea. It's not and surprising. Then they, and then they have a piss; they can just do it in the sea in the trunks because it doesn't yeah. matter. Oh, that's lovely. We uh, listen. Don't knock that because a sea piss is one of life's <laughs> great pleasures. <laughs> it's what the sea's for. It's, the, it's one of the few thrills I've got left in my life. <laughs> fucking sea pissing. That's what everyone's in there nowadays, isn't it? They're into this cold water pissing. Yeah. Everyone does it because it revitalises them. They're always doing first-person pieces in the Guardian magazine yeah, about yeah. it. How, How, I became, how lockdown pissing. introduced me to cold water pissing. <laughs> I don't actually swim. <laughs> I just stand in the water and have a lovely big piss and then get out again. Every morning when my alarm goes off at three o'clock, my heart sinks until I realise why I set it for that time. It's time for me to do a cold water piss. <laughs> While the rest of my community is still sleeping, I am in a pond near my home in Crouch End, pissing in freezing cold water. <laughs> Into my trunks. Which I'm still Into my trunks. <laughs> my husband is only just coming round by the time I get home and make my porridge oats. <laughs> You're up already, darling, he says. That's right, darling. I've been pissing up the pond. <laughs> how, I, how I left London and moved to the country to feed my addiction of cold water pissing. <laughs> I can't whammy. get enough of columns about that. It's That's fucking really whammy. inspirational. Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, dicks in the bath. I would like it though. No, just quick side note. You should pitch to them. I've noticed you've done a lot about cold water pissing and wild water swimming and that. I was wondering if you'd be interested in a first person account of my addiction to drinking beer and eating knots in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to stress, you probably get this pitch to you a lot. I do it in really double hot baths after watching the snooker. Are you interested? 1500 words. I can have it to you by Tuesday. I do, I do this thing where I take dry roasted nuts and I split them in half and I shove them into a laughing cow triangle and it is fucking delicious and I have them in the bath I have a little plate with about eight of them on and I have two cans of Stella maybe three, depends on how I feel I'm in there for about 45 minutes I come out hammered and I feel fucking amazing uh, the thing is it was, it was lockdown that made me open my eyes to what I really wanted from my life and I think you'll find a lot of your readers can relate to this because, you know, everything slowed down and you started reassessing what was really important. And I realised that what really motivated me was having peanuts in the bath and and having a few cans. And it's just really, it invigorates me, it energises me, it makes me more productive. It's, uh, it grounds me too, in all honesty. And I, there's been a lot of talk about the Beatles recently because of the uh, Get Back documentary. And I could do a little bit of historical context because 
you know that the Beatles used to smuggle peanuts up their willies when they went to peanut-free areas like Graceland. I could do you a little side box on that, like say an extra 300 words if you wanted. They're like, some commissioner at the Guardian like, what? What is this? What have I been pitched? <laughs> I'm sorry, we, we, we can't feature that at the moment because we're doing a lot of work with the... Um, with the government and their don't bathe and drink campaign. So it just, I was sorry, it wouldn't tie in. Ah, this ah, is different. This ah, is really different. I'll, I'll take it to fucking FHM then, if that's still a thing. Uh, Fuck you. FHM shut several years ago. Ah, oh, you know it all now, don't you? <laughs> Fuck off, I don't need you. I don't need anyone. I'll stick it on the internet. Yeah, I'll do a blog. I'll call myself I, anti-murial. But by the way, I've attached a fucking photo of myself pissed up in the bath for you to use online and in print. <laughs> Save you some money on a photographer. I just did it using my selfie stick. Uh, if you want to follow... You can see a bit of me knob in one, but just blur that out. It's you fine. You blur it out. And if you want to Photoshop a top hat on, I don't mind. <laughs> That's fine. That'd so I great. look like Mr. Peanut, you know, off of the packets. <laughs> oh, God. I would love it, mate, if we just started pitching fucking insane columns. <laughs> Like, but relentlessly to the Guardian, and yeah. maybe publishing responses. Maybe we will, or maybe we just write them up by ourselves and put them on the it? IFS Turbo section. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, because we do have an outlet, don't we? I, t- um, I tell you what, I'm interested in Cantor's telling us what the most elaborate thing you've ever consumed in a bath is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. have you had a full Sunday roast? It's got to be the food bath? or drink. Don't be rude. Don't start saying I've sucked cock in the bath. That's your business. It's not ours. <laughs> what I'm interested in is how, like, what, you know, people who've had like huge meals or a strange meal. Like, I ate a whole yeah. fish, like yeah. a large sat cooked salmon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the that bath. kind of thing. Do get in touch. Yeah. Um, you know what? We'll leave it there because we're not getting anywhere with this episode at the minute, but mm. there's still plenty to get through. Dick's in the bath. Um, and there's loads more to happen. So we'll, we'll, we'll finish it off next time. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.